This is the Redemption Church Podcast. For a list of messages, events, and more, please visit experienceredemption.com. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here is today's message. Well, hey, if you are new around here, we're in a series entitled Extra Evangelical, and we started this back in the first week of June. We're going to wrap it up next week, uh, last Sunday of August, and then we'll get into something new uh, in September. Actually, in September, we're going to do a series called Throwbacks, uh, where I'm going to revisit four sermons that I preached uh, in 2018. Uh, and, and so I'm kind of excited to bring those back. There were some formational sermons for us back then, uh, but a lot of you are new since 2018, so we're going to revisit some of those ideas. But today, uh, we're going to look at the, the front part of chapter 5 of 1 John, uh, and then next week we'll wrap up all of uh, the, the rest of chapter 5, and we'll finish. And part of the series has been uh, really answering kind of two questions. Number one, how do I know I'm in relationship with the Father? And then the second question is, what does the straight line of faith look like? And so throughout this series, I've been kind of doing this straight line of faith. And all the way back at the beginning uh, is in the beginning, God created the, the heavens and the earth. And then all the way through the timeline of history to today, there's one straight line of faith. And an extra evangelical is committed to the straight line of faith. Now, what we're going to see this morning as we look through 1 John is he's going to combine a lot of the ideas that he has been talking about all throughout his letter. And namely, there's been three. Uh, and the acronym TOL can help us remember them. Uh, so TOL, T, truth, adhering to the truth of God's word. Uh, o, obedience, obeying God's word. And then L, love, one another, T-O-L. And John has been visiting these ideas over and over again. And this morning, he now kind of takes the, the ideas of truth, obedience, and love, and he begins to summarize his point. And his point is this, now go do it. What John is uh, talking about here is this. He's saying, in Christ, you are now an overcomer. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You now live in the victory of Christ so that you can go and live out this faith in the world that you're in. He uses this term, overcomer. It's one of John's favorite terms. It's actually where we get our word. The Greek word is nikos or nikos, and that's where we get our word Nike, actually. Uh, and so what John is saying is just do it. Go live your faith. Go live your faith. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that. And if there's something you came in this with this morning, and you're like, wow, this is just too much for me to bear. Uh, obeying God in this way just seems impossible. Uh, what John is doing here in this, in this letter, he's reminding you, no, it's not. If you have been born of God, you have overcome the world. Now live out your victory. We'll start right at the beginning, as we always do. First John chapter 5, we'll start in verse 1. John says this, everyone who believes, everyone who believes. Now, the idea of belief and faith, uh, of course, it's worked out in, in 1 John a little bit, but he, he really hasn't used the word faith up until this moment. We've talked a lot about truth, obedience, love, but not the idea of faith. And so when John starts off here, he's talking about everyone who believes. There's a few thing he, uh, things he wants us to know about Christian faith. See, a lot of times we have this idea of faith as only this intellectual acknowledgement. Uh, faith is purely of the mind, and it is intellectual. And although sometimes we think that's what the word means, biblically, the idea of belief or faith is not just intellectual. In the Christian faith, the idea of faith is that it, is, it starts with an intellectual acknowledgement, but then it moves to an inward transformation that produces an outward action. 
Biblical faith is all three of those things. Intellectual acknowledgement, inward transformation, outward action. And there's many parts of the scripture, like the book of James or the book of Galatians, that kind of build this idea up. The book of Romans does it as well. And so sometimes some people say, well, yeah, no, I'm a Christian. Well, why? Well, because I intellectually acknowledge the truth of the resurrection of Christ. Great. So do the demons. That doesn't matter. It's not just an intellectual. It does matter, but it's not all that matters. Uh, It's not just an intellectual acknowledgement. Christian belief moves then from the mind to the heart to the body. Kind of sounds familiar. Like love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, right, and strength, or body. That's Christian faith. So we're saying everyone who believes, believes in that full way. There's something else he wants us to know about faith, though, uh, as well, is that it's not just about everyone who uh, believes in that way. The second thing he says this, everyone who believes what? That Jesus. Christian faith is not a generic faith. So you'll have people like, yeah, yeah, no, I believe. What do you believe? Oh, I believe in God. Uh, I I believe in morality. I believe in doing good things. I believe in religion. Uh, I believe in a philosophy of helping other people. That's not Christianity either. Christianity or Christian faith is a specific faith. Everyone who believes that Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the fullness of who Christ is. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Most heresy wants to change Jesus. Why? Because the Christian faith is specific faith. Belief in Jesus the Christ. Everyone who believes, everyone who, yes, intellectually acknowledges, who has an inward transformation that produces an outward action, that Jesus is the Christ. Don't fall into the lie that, uh, that just faith in something is okay. There's a lot of people who will one day stand before Christ and say, but I don't know, I believed, uh, right, in Jesus. I believed in the intellectual sense. Well, no, that wasn't enough. Faith, true faith, moves its way through. That is the evidence of real faith. So there's two things John wants us to know about faith. He wants us to know it's more than just the the mind. He wants us to know that it's a specific faith. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. Now, here's the third one. This one's kind of the kicker. First two, a little bit of a a way of recap. But the, the, the third one is interesting. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now, normally... Or a lot of people, if they didn't, uh, hadn't read this verse and I uh, p- uh, put a parallel verse up on the screen and it said, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ will be born of God. People would go, yeah, no, that sounds right. But that's not what it says. What does it say? It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God. The reformers would say it this way, that regeneration precedes faith. Everyone who, who, uh, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, everyone who that faith has been triggered, has been born of God. Now, John is going to use the phrase, uh, born of God, a couple of different times. And when you hear the phrase, born of God, it takes you back to uh, another very famous uh, time in the scriptures that John also wrote. And in there, he talks to, uh, uh, he writes or records this interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. And there, in that conversation, we'll read it here in a second, uh, 
John, or Jesus, talks about being born again. And so John is trying to help us understand proper faith. And so everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So let's, let's revisit that famous conversation. If you've got your Bible, you can turn back to John chapter 3 this morning. I'm going to look at the first eight verses. These are really telling. And, and just to remind you, uh, in case you get angry, these are Jesus' words. Not mine. John 3, 1 through 8. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Before I move on here, let me just point out this real quick. Uh, Nicodemus is running to Jesus because he's saying it's so obvious that you have come from God. No one could do what you're doing, could teach how you teach, uh, could act like you act unless they came from God. And so Nicodemus is doing something uh, that we should do. And that is when you want the right answers, go to the right source. Go to the right source. And so he says, I want to know what Christian faith is all about. That's what uh, the nature of Nicodemus' question. I want to know what this process of salvation looks like. And so he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to look at the accurate, correct source. I'm going to get it straight from Jesus. And so Jesus then is going to lay out what Christian faith looks like. And here are Jesus' words. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so if you're thinking, well, where did John get this idea of being born again or being born of God? Well, John got it, and he wrote it in his epistle 50 years later because he heard Jesus talk about it right here. A couple years ago, maybe you've heard this. Uh, If you've heard the phrase born again Christian, by the way, uh, then now you know where it came from. It came out of this context right here of what Jesus is about to say. Uh, Born again Christian, you're born of God. And about 10, 15, 20 years ago, it kind of got popular for people to go, hey, are you a Christian? And they'd go, well, yeah, but I'm not one of those crazy born again Christians. Let me just tell you real quick. The only type of Christian you want to be is a crazy, born-again Christian, okay? Let me take it a step further, because those are the ones that are actually Christians. A lot of things call themselves Christian that aren't Christian. Christianity Today, it's a magazine online. They call themselves Christian, just read their articles. They're not, right? You can call yourself Christian. Doesn't mean you are. Some, the, there are certain words that come before the word Christian, um, and, and they're just like, uh, they're qualifiers uh, that remind you that what comes next is not real, right? So you'll hear this. You're like, well, I'm a theologically liberal Christian. Oh, so you're not one. Got it. Okay. Born again Christian, that's a good one. Okay? That's when you're like, I'm into that. Why? Because that's how you actually become a Christian. You're born Again, and so people say, well, I'm not one of those born-again Christians. Well, then what are you? <laughs> like, if you're, like, you're a dead Christian, you, you had to have been born again at some point in time. Otherwise, you're not born, right? Okay, I think we're tracking. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, 
right? Don't you love going to people like, well, where'd you ever get the phrase born again? From Jesus. He spoke it. Okay. Unless you are born again, get this, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if you want to see the kingdom of God, what has to happen first? You have to be born again. That's what he's saying. He says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Contrast this again to people who say, well, I saw the kingdom of God, and so I was born again. Jesus like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Unless you're born again, then you see the kingdom of God. Jesus, that's how, that's how Jesus explains it. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Okay, so here's what's happening real quick. Nicodemus is looking at Jesus, and he's like, I'm not sure I'm tracking with you. He's looking at Jesus, and, and, and two things are happening here for Nicodemus. I think he's operating on two levels. On one level, he's operating, he's like, are we talking about physical or spiritual right now? On the other level, I think he's, he's asking the question, can you help me understand what's going on? And so Nicodemus' question to Jesus is a good question. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? And then he asks this question. Can he enter a second time into his mother's, or it's 2023, or his father's womb and be born? That's a joke if you're new around here. Okay. Okay. Um, Let me say something very controversial. At Redemption, we believe that only women can have babies. Okay. All right. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Could you imagine 20 years ago, people watching our sermons from today, like, why did he just say that? Like, that's so obvious. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) Where were we? Okay. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? In other words, are we talking about a physical thing here, Jesus? Jesus goes, hold on, let me clarify. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, in other words, we're talking about a spiritual reality, not a physical reality here in Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the spirit, look at this, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus' second layer of question there, right? Like, hey, how does this whole thing work? He came to Jesus to go, how does true faith work? And Jesus goes, okay, let me create a metaphor for you on how true faith works. It's kind of like when a baby's born. Now, I've seen three kids born, okay, the three that we have. And uh, not once has one of them come out, looked back at Lindsay and said, you're welcome, okay? <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. Now, in the next four, five, six, seven kids we have, you're right, maybe, Okay, I don't know if that's a true thing. Okay, well, just one at a time. Okay. Jesus picks a metaphor to help us understand the process of Christian faith, and he could not have picked a metaphor that most obviously said to the person of faith, you're kind of useless in this whole endeavor. He picked the clearest metaphor ever. Like, hey, were you around nine months ago? Mm -mm. Did you do anything then? No. Did you do anything on the day? No. Look at the metaphor he uses. He says, unless he be born then of water and spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Okay, he's like, okay, remember that was your first life. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Okay, let me tell you about your second life. And that which is born of the spirit 
is spirit. He said, I'm talking about something different. Then he goes, hold on. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus is clearly marveling in the moment, or he's looking very quizzically at Jesus. And I think what Jesus says next is Jesus reading Nicodemus' expression, which is kind of like, uh, what? It's like Nicodemus is asking the question that many of us might be asking right now. Like, hold on, Jesus, I don't completely understand yet the metaphor. Can you help me understand it a little? Jesus, can you clarify a little bit? And I think Jesus' answer here is to clarify for Nicodemus. Here's what he says. Jesus like, okay, you know the wind? The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I think Nicodemus goes, huh? I asked you to clarify, and your response is, okay, so you know how the wind is kind of like really hard to define and figure out? And Nicodemus is like, yeah, he's like, it's like that. Not helpful, Jesus. Nicodemus' response, how can these things be? In other words, what? Jesus wants Nicodemus. He wants us to understand the process of faith. He says, well, let me tell you about it. You know how, like, when the wind comes along and moves something along? He's like, you're not the wind. You're the thing that was moved along. You know, like when a baby is born and, uh, and the baby comes on out, you, you weren't the mom doing the work. You were the baby receiving or coming on out. So that's what it's like. That's what it's like. Whoever believes has been born of God. Regeneration precedes faith, he's saying. So then faith comes in. You've been born of God, then you begin to see the kingdom. The other thing that, that John is trying to do, he's trying to help us understand something in our faith. What is, our, what is my Christian faith like? It's like being born again. Christian faith, what is it like? It's, like? it's like awakening up to a new reality. It's like all of a sudden you used to view God and yourself and sin and righteousness like this, but that was in the old life. Whereas Colossians says, you are now new. You are clothed now in Christ. You have a new reality. Or 1 Thessalonians says, you have been made new. You are a new creation. What you once were, you no longer are. You have been born again. And so then people, uh, they, they, they wake up to the new reality in Christ, and then they have these things in their life, and they go, oh, this is how I think about those things. And God goes, no, 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 no. That's how you used to think about it, but now you've been born again. You see it all differently. That's what Christian faith is like. You still see God like you saw him over here? Nope, nope. You were born again. You still see sin like you did over there? Nope, you were born again. How different is life? How different is life in Christ than life without him? It's like being born again. Like starting over. Like check your previous thoughts at the door. Well, I, I learned this from my parents. Well, I learned this from someone else. I learned this from the world. I learned this 
when I was growing up. Okay, I'm not trying to like negate your parents or whatever they taught you or, or the patterns you picked up on or all of that kind of stuff. But I'm saying, ladies, hold on. If those things didn't come out of a godly perspective, you've been born again. You now see things. What things? Everything differently. It's like being born again. It's like being born again. Like starting over. So like you're born again. Well, what do you have to learn? I don't know how to crawl, how to walk, how to talk, how to operate. You've been born again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. They've been regenerated by Christ. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. By the way, this is a reversal from what he talked about earlier, isn't it? Because all throughout the first four chapters, he was saying this. By this you know you love God. What? If you love the children. Now he's saying this. By this you know that you love the children of God. Like, well, this is a little circular, John. Well, yeah. By this you know that you love the children of God. When what? When you love God. So how do I know I love God? Because you love his children. Well, how do I know I love his children? Well, because you love him. Okay. And you obey his commandments. See how John just kind of like fits that one in there? Let me, let me, this is important. How, how do you know you love somebody else? We say this all the time. Well, I love that person. I love him or her. I love them. How do you know you love them? Because you say that you love them? No. How do you know that you love them? Because you obey God's commandments. He says, that's how you know you love him. That's how you know you love them or her. Of course, contrast this with an entire world that says this. I can love everyone and do whatever I want. Nope. Wrong. Here's a confused distortion. My sin only affects me. Here's a clear truth. Your sin affects everyone. Here's a confused distortion. I can love anyone, and what I do on the inside or how I act doesn't matter. Here's a clear truth. No, you can't. No, you can't. That's not biblical love. How do you know you love the children of God? Because you obey God's commands. That's how you know. Look at what Paul writes in Romans. He helps us understand this concept a little bit. I'm going to go to Romans 13 if you want to follow along with me. We're in Romans 13. I'll start in verse, come on, Romans, where are you at? There you are. Romans 13, uh, what is it, verse 8? Start in verse 8. I'll read 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. Common theme in the Bible. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the, the commandments, you shall not murder. All right, well, I skipped one. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment, and any other commandment, there's a lot of them, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes people want to go, well, look at what God did. God summarized the commandments by saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And when he told us you shall love your neighbor as yourself, what he was doing there is he was summarizing them. So now we don't have to worry about any of the commandments. We just have to love. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying at all. 
That's a lie. What he's saying is, I don't have enough time here to list all of them. So let me summarize them for you. Love your neighbor as yourself. And loving your neighbor as yourself won't make all of the commandments obsolete. It'll make you obedient to them because that is how you love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see the difference? Massive difference. And so you apply this corporately and you apply this personally. What does loving your neighbor as yourself then look like? It looks like obeying God's law. It looks like obeying God's instructions. And so people will say things like, well, you know what? Uh, I love them. Well, or, 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 I love my children. Okay. Is that a biblical reason to get divorced? Then no, you don't. You love yourself. I love him or her. Then get married. Otherwise, you love yourself. Obedience to God's word is the indication that you actually love them. That's what he's saying. See, we want to make love a feeling. We want to make love, well, no, I love them. Prove it. Obey God. Do we see the difference, guys? I think so. Okay, now... Like, that's not enough. Somebody might be like, Stephen, when are you going to preach an easy sermon? When I stop preaching out of the Bible, okay? That's when. Which isn't going to happen, just so we're all on the same page, all right? For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Oh, get this. And his commandments are not burdensome. Woo! It's like, not only do you need to obey, but you need to like it. Not only do you need to like it, you need to enjoy it. You're like, I don't know. Like, this seems, in my life, it seems really hard. Don't worry about it. You've been born again. In the previous reality, it would be impossible. But if you've been born again, you're, it's not impossible. You have overcome that now. That's the whole point of his writing. If you have been born again, then you have faith. And faith is inward transformation that leads to outward action. And so you can actually overcome the world. And what he means by overcoming the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You can overcome it. You don't have to be like that anymore. You've overcome it. Well, I was born this way. You've been born again. You ever heard that one? Well, you can't be mad at me, Stephen. I was born this way. Okay, hold on. You've been born again. Like, could we make it any, any more obvious? So you don't have to be like the person you were born as. You've been born again. You've been born again, okay? Look at Jesus. So around here, we have, a, we have a mission statement. We barely ever even talk about it, quite frankly. Uh, but our mission statement is to help all people experience redemption and live in freedom. Freedom. And this is the freedom part. His commands aren't burdensome. Have you guys ever seen those demonstrations uh, where uh, I think they do it with horses? I think it, it might be a different animal. I didn't look this up. Um, but where they, like, tie them to something. Uh, and then they put like a chain around them, and then they go later and they untie them uh, from the thing that was holding them back, and then they won't leave anymore. 
and there's literally nothing actually holding them back, but they think that they're still enslaved to the thing. That's like the Christian who thinks that they can't move past a certain thing in their life. You are no longer chained to that. You have overcome the world. You have overcome the world. And not only are you to overcome the world, it's not supposed to be burdensome. It's not even supposed to be heavy. Look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11. And by the way, the reason the epistles are so powerful is because these guys are like, oh man, remember all of those things Jesus said? Okay, let's write them down right in here. It's awesome. He's remembering what Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and get this, here's the word, John remembered this one, and my burden is light. Jesus doesn't say, come to me all who are uh, tired, and I will make you miserable. He doesn't say, come to me, all who are, uh, who are heavy laden, so I can throw some more rocks in your backpack. He says, no, 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 come to me, and I will set you free. Come to me, and you will overcome the world. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh, you can overcome all of it. Come to me, and it'll happen. You he says, you've overcome the world now. And it's not even supposed to be a burden. I bought a new car. It was about a year and a half ago. And um, I bought it from Carvana. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that after the story, right? Okay? And so I buy it. And uh, we're, we're, you know, I'm like three months into it. And uh, a light pops up. And, uh, and the light pops up. And so I did my traditional Stephen approach to car maintenance. Ignore. Okay? So ignore first and then throw up a desperate prayer, right? Okay. So after about a month of ignoring, the car's just kind of like got this like, you know, like, this is not right. And, and, and so what did I do? I take the car to the mechanic. I pay the money. And then the mechanic fixes it. The light that came on was an indicator that something was wrong with the car. Friend, if you have a burden of doing something that is obeying God, it's because you're still bowing to an old idol. The presence of the burden is an indicator of two things. One, that you are of Christian faith, okay? Because if you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't care. So it's a good thing, but it's also another thing. What's the other thing? If it feels like a burden, you haven't surrendered it to Christ yet. If it's still a burden to obey, you're bowing to the idol. You're bow what do you need to do? You need to take your heart to the master mechanic and let him change you. Let him take over. And you have to do your part. I had to drive it there. I had to pay the money, all of that kind of stuff. But then the mechanic came in and did the work. You got to do your part. You've got to be obedient where you can do. You've got to take the action that you can take. And then you open your heart up and you let the master mechanic come in and fix it. The burden is the presence. Is the presence. Man, I met this awesome couple. 
They've been coming to the church now for about a year, and, uh, and, and they started showing up, uh, I think, in the Clear Truth series that we did in November. And I think it was their first week was um, on the Clear Truth for Marriage. And they were sitting in there. I think they were, they were just dating at the time. And um, they, I was sitting in my office because they want, they're engaged now. They're going to get married. And, uh, and they were saying, man, and we, we heard that sermon. And, uh, and he said, and that was enough. It was just like the word of God came out. By the way, can I tell you something? Like the word of God and the preaching of the word of God is how God works to change people. The preaching of the word of God. That's why we always have to preach out of this thing. Okay? And, uh, and, and our strategy around here is what? Well, when I have the most of you in a room, Okay, I'm just going to give it to you straight. Like, at some point in time, there was like a strategy in church that was like, hey, why don't we do all of the hard work when we only have some of the people? Well, that's not a real good idea. Why don't we do the hard work when we got everybody? And so that's why we preach out of God's word every Sunday. Okay? Let's do the hard work now when we got the most of you here. Okay? A couple just, they said, and so you preached that sermon. You talked about what biblical marriage was. He talked about what biblical sexuality was, and so we just stopped sleeping together. They didn't need four months to pray about it. They didn't need a counselor to tell them, is this really what's best for you? They said, oh, that's what God's word says? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Does it feel like a burden? You're still bowing to an idol. Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. Obey God's commands, right? Let me give you another one. Tithing. Some of you go, well, you know what? Uh, I look at money this way. I look at it this way. Ah, I get it. That's the old way. You've been born again. Now there's a new way. Some of you, you look at tithing, you go, that seems like an unbelievable burden. Here's why. You're still bowing to an old idol. That's why. Obey God's commands. I took Reagan to Cedar Point the other day, and uh, uh, when, when we got there, you know, she was doing all of the little kitty rides, and we got over to the other section, and I was like, okay, let's hit some of these more, you know, big kid rides, and, uh, and so we get to one of them, and it was like the Flying Eagles, if you're familiar with Cedar Point, and so uh, I'm like, baby girl, you want to do this? She goes, yeah, daddy, let's do it, so we get in uh, to the thing, and we're sitting next to each other, I was like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, I'm like, dad's right here, we're going to be fine, and so uh, the thing starts going, and as soon as the thing starts going, it goes around in a circle, and the thing's like kind of open up, and they fly, and they move a little bit. We start going. She goes, Daddy, Daddy, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And I'm like, it's okay. Dad's here. You're going to be fine. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. We keep on going. She's like, I hate this. I hate this. Okay, this is okay. We keep moving along. She's like, all right, okay. All right, hold on. Dad, do the thing where it moves. Okay, now we're doing the thing where it moves, right? Then we get to the end. She's like, Daddy, Daddy, I love this. I love this. We get to the end. Dad, can we do that again? I said, no, I will throw up. But listen, some of you obeying God's command, particularly when it comes to your tithe, you're going to write the first check and you're going to be like, Daddy, I hate this. This is scary. I don't know if we're going to make it. Dad, I'm scared. And your heavenly father's going to say, I'm right here with you. And if I clothe the lilies of the field, I can take care of you. And if you will be faithful to God in this, in your tithe. And some of you, you're like, oh, I am faithful. No, you're not. You make way more than that. Okay? So don't, listen, I don't care if you give it or not. Just don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself and say you are when you clearly are not. Okay? 
because that's between you and God. You go, when you go into this, you're going to start writing, you're going to start writing, you're going to start writing, and what's going to happen? You go, Daddy, I love this. God, I, this is awesome. This is awesome. Why? Because it's not supposed to be a burden. It's not supposed to be a burden. God didn't write that command to make you miserable. He wrote it in there to set you free. You've been born again. You don't think like that person anymore. You think like a new person. And so some of y'all, you need to write that first tithe check. And in the memo line, you can write, I hate Stephen. <laughs> and I will go, amen. But in a year from now, I need you to write in there, this is so fun. Let's do it again. And some of you, you look and you go, no, I'm not going to get there. I can't get there. No way. Here's what John says to you. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, your faith. Have you been born again? Then you can overcome that. Then you will be able to actually move to a place where it is no longer a burden. You, whatever the command is of God, love your enemy, do the hard thing, be obedient when you don't want to, stop worrying, don't have fear, face the giant, stand up in the midst of culture, whatever it is that might be where the enemy says, you'll never be able to do this. You have overcome. You're not a victim. You are a victor in Christ. Do it. Do it. Walk in your freedom. How weak is the God that you're serving if you think that something from the old life still has to define you in the new one? Come on. You have overcome the world. You have overcome the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Obey his commands. So you can walk in your freedom. Yeah, do your part. Like the story I told earlier, some of you, you're here and you were previously chained. You were previously chained in your old life. You were chained to the love of money. You were chained to your perspective on sexuality. You were chained to uh, uh, something else, right? The moment you believed you were born again, the chain was cut. Walk in your freedom. Walk in your freedom. And it's God's way. It's so much better. His yoke is not heavy. It's light. It's light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for regenerating hearts. Hearts like mine. Thank you that we can then see the kingdom of God. We can see the new way of life. And Father, I pray that you would make us a people who joyfully obey you, who joyfully obey you and walk in the beautiful freedom of redemption and grace. And Father, I pray for each person in this room 
who knows exactly, exactly what God has called them to this morning, that they would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and just do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. For more information, you can visit Experience Redemption on Instagram or Facebook for updates, service times, and ways you can get connected. Want to partner and support the work of Redemption Church? You can give online at experienceredemption.com slash give online to explore your giving options. We also stream services on both YouTube and Facebook Live, so be sure to join us and share your experience. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We will see you soon.